quite understand. Hi, this is Ron Gilbert, and welcome to the weekly Thimbleweed Park stand-up meeting podcast. Every week we talk about what we did last week and what we're going to do next week. And as always, I am joined by Gary Winnick. Say hello, Gary. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> you usually say David Fox. <laughs> okay. All right, take two. Okay. As always, I am joined by Gary Winnick. Hey. And David Fox. Hi there. So let's start with Gary. Gary, what did you do last week and what are you doing this week? Well, actually, it turns out that I have a pretty good idea of what I'm doing because it's now all in spreadsheets. So all I have to do is look at the spreadsheet and read it off of that. So I can never remember what I did, but I just look at the spreadsheet and it tells me. So last week, I did a bunch of room extensions and some animation, mainly working on finishing up all the Act 1 stuff we had, which for me is a number of things for the hotel and a number of things for the sewers. And then moving on to ThimbleCon, um, which is still part of the hotel, but that's sort of a big thing unto itself because it has a lot of different actors in it. It has a lot of different, you know, I'm going to say in terms of art, it's got a bunch of art. In terms of puzzles, there's a fair amount of puzzles, but I don't think there's a ton more there, but there is a lot more people kind of running around and doing things in that area so that's pretty interesting plus there's a whole bunch of sort of in jokes and things so overall mainly working on um uh, gearing up for that and as i said this last week i worked on hotel stuff and i'm finishing up sewer extensions right now so by extending the rooms you're talking about extending the rooms vertically because the ui now overlaps the room so you have to make all the rooms a little bit taller yeah that's well yeah and that's all adding you know um additional art image to the bottom of rooms because that's where the interface lies so uh it's interesting because i for the most part after doing the initial wireframe stuff let um you know mark took over all of that and then octavia did a number of those rooms so i'm coming coming back room to around to room art when i haven't done that for a while and it's also interesting to try to think like mark ferrari (laughs) (laughs) and or think like Octavia. I think Octavia went through the exercise of trying to think a little bit more like Mark when he was doing the rooms. So, so you're trying to think like Octavia, thinking like Mark. Yeah, that may, basically something like that. <laughs> and and it's an interesting conundrum because they, you know, they both have sort of very different ways of doing things. Because I think Mark, when you look at sort of the, I'm going to say the layers and the lighting and everything like that, because we have everything on layers for parallaxing certain things and we have different lights, some lights can turn on and off. Trying to figure out just in a, I'm going to say a quarter, um, you know, percentage of the screen in the bottom, what a, a guy who wasn't youth was thinking of when he was putting something together, let alone it being Mark, is kind of an interesting exercise unto itself. You know, David showed me, you know, how to like, you know, click on various you would think I would have known this already, but David showed me this trick how to click on, you know, an object and see what layer it's on. Because I hadn't worked in that many layers previously. Those guys work in lots of layers relative to me because I'm mainly doing animation. There's not a ton of layers. We have maybe, you know, two or three layers in our animation things where Mark has, you know, a vase that's lit and it's got 30 layers. So <laughs> um, I sort of learned how to like, you know, click and select the layers and find where everything was. And I'll tell you, a lot of that stuff is fairly obtuse and I have no idea what they were thinking, but I sort of tried to make it work as good as possible. Ultimately, as long as it looks 
like it matches everything else, it's going to be pretty much okay because at least in that area of the screen, there's no real interactivity because the interface has to sit over there. So it's just really extending the screen and making it look consistent with the rest of the picture. So I found that to be a challenge, but I've gotten better at it. And uh, overall, I don't think you can tell a whole lot of difference as long as I'm sort of stealing from that person whose room I'm extending. So that's pretty much it. I'm doing more of that next week. Okay. David? Well, first I spent uh, most of the week, first part of the week fixing bugs that Ron came up with. Not really bugs, you know, some bugs, but also just ways to streamline gameplay. Um, Ron went through a, I guess, a playthrough himself on the first part of the game and came up with like 30 tickets. I got like in about an hour. You must have had them all saved up or something. Yeah, I, I write I write all my bugs into a separate document and then I and then I enter them into the database afterwards. Otherwise, I figure I, I spend too much time, you know, entering you know bugs and setting options and stuff where I can just you know blurt everything out into a document. Right. Right. So I got most of those completed. Some really good ones. I mean, there's sometimes you you get feedback and it's like, oh, I never thought of that. And that's really good. And sometimes it's something that what's kind of niggling, like you know that it's not quite right and you can't either can't put your finger on it or you're hoping no one else will notice and you're waiting for feedback <laughs> for someone to say that it sucks and then you have to fix it. So m- most of those were just, um, they felt like it just tightened the game in those areas. That was really good. Um, I learned a, a command that has been in the system from day one, which I never knew was there, which is called break while running, which lets you wait <laughs> wait in one script while another, until another script completes and start using that rather than trying to figure I can't, out. I can't believe you didn't know about that. I, you probably told me, and it was like probably in the beginning, I was probably overwhelmed with everything else and just uh-huh. forgot. And be, because it wasn't in our shortcut file. Oh, right. I never, I, when I was looking for breaks, what we had different versions that like break while walking, break while talking, it wasn't there. So, I mean, when I looked through the code, I could see that the only place it was used was in Jen's code. So she knew about it. Well, she probably knew about it because she was doing all the documentation. Well, I'm not sure how she found it because it wasn't in, this, in the code. Well, I think I gave her just a complete dump of all of the symbols that were used for the things. And that yeah. one probably just got grabbed in that dump. Well, that that's great. That's um, Thinking back, I must have known. I mean, it's, it's not like it seems familiar, but I forgot about it. I added a bunch of new animations, you know, special case animations for Carney Joe and Madame Marina and had to change a few things around so they worked okay ransom is now doing a stand-up he no longer just stands he he's more active and walks around he has more command of the stage yeah we'll probably want to do some special case animations for him too when he's doing yeah right now he just walks and talks there are a bunch of new close-up screens of notes so notes that before we would just say if you looked at it, it would just print what's on the note as a text message on the screen. Now you have a close-up of the note. Um, and added, added the, poss- the option of doing checkboxes on, on, on these. So for some of the ones where you're trying to do a list, complete a list of items, I'm actually putting in checks. And we may or may not want to keep that, but it's kind of cool. Also, more room extensions, you know, like from, from Gary and from um, Octavia, I think, were the ones I got... So adding, like Gary said, more to the bottom of the screen, which 
usually makes it really is usually really easy to do, but in a few rooms, um, it just you know where where everything was dependent on the Y position of where the actor was. There's special code in there. Um, you know, there was one case in the library which took a really long time to do. I found a, a fun little Easter egg from Octavi in one of the rooms, which I won't mention. Um, not oh, knowing, so, so we all have to find yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a good time, call Octavi five five. No, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's fun because it, I, I actually wired up the room and then saw these extra frames of animation that I didn't even notice. They kind of pulled, came out, and I said, "What is that?" <laughs> and I went back and found it, and, and put it in. Um, and it's it's fun. Oh, I'm going to have to add some Easter eggs now. Hmm. Yeah, well, this is an, a, a nice animating Easter egg. Okay, so. that sounds like too much work. Also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, reworking a pretty, I might say, pretty long puzzle, so it makes more sense at the circus. And simplifying because now it's only one one character, only Ransom can can do this. Um, so that makes it a little bit easier. So you can get a little more special about how we're handling it. And then yesterday we we're, were trying to figure out a, a better way of getting art assets to Octavi and Mark in a way where where we we know that they have the asset and we're not making changes at the same time. It's very problem since he's using Git like the rest of the stars so you just check yeah. out the unchangeable. Although Git does have, you know, the problem that when you, you know, you can't lock files when you check them out. Right. Like, you know, when we'd used um, Perforce in the past or SVN, you could lock a file, you know, which meant that no one else could actually change it. So when you were doing uh, work on unmergeable files, like Photoshop files or audio files, you just lock them and you work on them. But Git, since it's a distributed version control system, you can't really lock stuff. So we came up with a system where you you basically you know change the name of the file you know to underscore locked or you know underscore Octavi and then check that in, and that kind of tells people that this file is out. So it's kind of a kludgy way to do it, but it seems to work. I mean, yeah. when I'm doing, when I'm using Git, I'm like checking stuff in, and I'm like, oh shit, David Fox is checking in something at 4:06, just like me, you know. And then, I, and then I have to merge the branch and stuff. But it seems to keep pretty good track of it, actually. Yeah, I mean, it gets really good at merging, um, but it, you know, it just can't merge binary files like Photoshop files, yeah. right? It's it's really good at merging text files, right? I think we, you know, we've only had a handful of cases where we've had to deal with merge conflicts with text files. Yeah, and and the other the other part of it for Octavi and Mark who don't use Git is to get the Dropbox using Dropbox is the place where we're transferring stuff. So I'm I'm usually up later. On the on the west coast, like you know, twelve or one o'clock, and then Octavi in Spain will often say, you know, can I have these three files for my next day's work? So giving you now have a, a system of drop boxes where we know which file is the inbox and the outbox for each for each artist and name changes. And so far, it's kind of working. We just have a few more things to tweak on that. Um, and I think that is about it. Next week, continuing to finish up a few things on the list from Ron. I think our act, our big act one due date is like the first of the month, right? The first of June. So act one needs to be yeah. completely done by the first of June. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm probably spending more time just focusing on the tickets I have open and, and finishing those. And um, I know that even though it's going to be finished, we'll probably be going back and 
fixing stuff all the way through as they come up, but um, and tweaking things. But um, you know, definitely those tighter. Yeah, it was interesting to see that it's not a Gantt chart. I guess it's just a visual chart that Ron did that shows um, you know us working through the end. You know, when we're done, and seeing like, oh, there's only a month in here for these translations. Is that going to work? Uh, I guess so. You know what I mean? But overall, it felt pretty good. That was the only thing that scared me a little bit. I don't know. Does it, how do you feel about it, Ron? Yeah, the translation time is pretty tight. It's like I wish I had another month to do the translation stuff. You know, getting the translators to turn the stuff around in a month shouldn't be a problem. I think it's going to be tight for them, but it shouldn't be a problem. It's it's really getting the stuff tested and integrated. Um, but we do have a little bit of slack in that because we've got a couple of months for the cert process, but it probably won't take that long. And we can probably do the first submission to cert as English only. Um, because our translations really are almost like little add-on packs. You know, they don't intrinsically change the game to have stuff translated. So I feel fairly comfortable about, you know, maybe adding that stuff uh, into the ZERB process at slightly a later stage. So I think we'll be okay with that. Do you know if your translators are all going to be working full-time on the on the game, or is this, you know, stuff they'll be doing in between other projects? Uh I mean, the ones that I have lined up, I don't have everyone lined up, but the ones that I do have lined up, I think it is more of a, you know, a part-time thing for them to be doing. Now, when I say part-time, you know, it means they do have other jobs, but, you know, it doesn't mean that they won't, you know, spend every other waking moment, you know, on doing the translation. So I, I don't really know. Have you, have you done a word count on all the text in the game? No, I haven't because I, you know, I think we're probably only about seventy-five percent done in terms of writing. I don't yeah. know that a word count would be, you know, would be that useful at this point. I know there's also some text where it's the same line said by the different actors. Yeah, and I've I've tried to take that into account. Yeah, I'm I'm figuring that maybe thirty percent of the dialogue just needs to be read five times. Um, but I mean that's not really a translation issue, right? right. That's more right. of an issue for the voice recording because the translator only has to translate it once. Well, not necessarily. There, one thing that's interesting is that if you have a male speaker versus a female speaker, or if you're talking about different things than in other in other than English, there's a different a different way to say it. Yeah, that could be a problem because those lines actually only appear in the database once. They don't right. appear in the database um, five times. So if if that's the case, that that could be a problem that we'll have to watch out for. Yeah, Ray, Ray is saying something to Ray versus Ray saying the same thing to Reyes might be different right. depending on, in a different language. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's an issue. I mean, if if that if that does become a big issue, then we'll have to figure out a way around that. Right. But we may just want to deal with that on a case by case basis. We may need a gender flag for each actor so we know who's saying what to who and what gender the other person is or something right you know it's like those other languages have like a whole different way of uh, thinking about stuff because they're you know they got like a different word for everything yeah i have (laughs) enough trouble with english i can't imagine (laughs) if everything was all gendered like it is in the languages that would just that would just drive me crazy yeah well i guess on to me uh, let's see, last week, a uh, big thing I did last week that was actually quite exciting was I got all of the um, voicemail messages in. And then when I say all, it's not all of them because people still have until the 1st of July to upload them. But I did download all the ones that we had uploaded 
and I did, you know, a kind of a first pass of processing on them and got them all in the game. So now in the game, you can go look up people's phone numbers in the phone book and you can call them. And if they have a message, then you actually hear the message back. So I think that's that's kind of neat to hear. You know, I think mo- I think mostly I'm I'm really glad that my you know the idea from my system actually worked. I was going to ask if the percentage of people who actually you know took that um, reward, how many of them have actually gone gone ahead and you know actually put in their messages? Is it like you know fifty percent? Is it like you know sixty percent? What is it? It's about half. Okay. So about half the people that you know backed at the voicemail or above level haven't actually submitted a voicemail message yet. And I think some of that is, pe- you know, people wait until the last minute to do anything. Um, I think some people just don't know about it. And I think other people who backed at that level just had no interest in it. I'm actually surprised that, you know, you, you do have to go in and, and enter your name if you want to appear in the phone book, even if you don't want to do a voicemail message. And I would say a good 25% of the people have not even entered their name yet. So, you know, they're just not going to appear in the phone book at all unless they go do that. We'll send out some reminder messages as the date gets close and make sure that people understand that. But I am a little bit worried that people don't understand that, that they they think since they have their name, you know, as a part of their Kickstarter account, that their name is just going to appear in the phone book. Mm. And that's just not true. You know, you have to go in and enter your name uh, into the thing to appear in the phone book. So we'll try to get that message out as much as we can. But I find with the Kickstarter stuff that a lot of people just ignore those email messages that come from Kickstarter or they go right to their spam folders. So I think getting in touch with people and getting them to pay attention to it will you know, always be a challenge. I wonder if some people are avoiding doing the phone message because they're afraid of being judged about you know whether their message is funny enough compared to other messages well i certainly have detected a little bit of that angst on twitter you know from people who are you know kind of worried that uh you know their message isn't going to be funny enough or whatnot but there's a lot of people who've and i mean a lot of people who just recorded very straight messages you know where they just say hey this is so and so i can't come to the phone right now leave a message you know that's that's all they've said and i think that's totally okay there's nothing wrong with that so, so has somebody listened to all the messages we've gotten so far? Uh, no. We're going to need to do that at some point. I think that's probably something I'll, I'll put on um, the testers to do. I'll probably just take all the WAV files and you know dump them in a Dropbox or something, and then you know have Robert divvy them up among people, and then we'll flag the ones that are in foreign languages that we need to figure out how to get somebody to um, listen to those. Most of them are in English. I mean, I think it's it's, it's probably easily 80 to 90% of them are in English. Once you recorded a message, you can go back and change it up until the deadline. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, you, you can change the message at any time you want. So I, I would say for people who have been avoiding it, just put in a straight message for now, and then maybe you'll come up with something funnier before the deadline. Yeah, that's good advice, actually. Because then you don't forget and get left out completely. Right. So that was a big exciting thing that I did last week was getting all that stuff working. Um, And then as David said, I went through and I played the game and I made a lot of notes on that. Uh, I do think, you know, we had a small problem at at this point that's probably about halfway through the first act. I I added some new dialogues that I hope will address that a little bit. And I want to play a little bit farther into act one 
uh, and look at that kind of stuff. So that is on my list to do next week. I did some things where I added some error dialog boxes, mostly needed for the Xbox version, because if on the Xbox version, if people, you know, and it's not just the Xbox, I mean, any console version, if you do things like unplug your controller and, you know, you're not signed in and, you know, this multitude of other things that happen, you need little nice little boxes that come up. So I did that. And I also changed our UI system. So now friends can have controller uh, images next to them. So you can, you know, press the A and B or square and X or whatever and get stuff done. So I did that and I have all that working. Uh, we're going to start the Linux version next week, which will be really exciting. Uh, I am not doing it. I've uh, never really programmed on Linux. So we're getting somebody that actually knows how to do that to do that. So that is what we're doing next week. And I think next week for me is just a lot of playtesting and dialogue writing. I want to spend some time looking at the dialogues. I know I've been saying this for a long time, but I've just never really gotten around to it. And I need to really kind of delve into that uh, soon, uh, getting the dialogues um, up to snuff, so to speak. So that is me. Well, Good. that was exciting as usual. Let's see. Another um, action-packed podcast. Yeah. You feel like you're totally back from your vacation. Yeah, my, yeah. My, my stress level has completely returned to normal, <laughs> so I know vacation time is over. All right. Well, I think that is it. So I will talk to you guys later. Okay. okay. All right. Bye. Bye. So we're out and we're still recording as per usual. <laughs> per usual. Well, you could you could just say goodbye and hang up, Gary. Yeah, and then, and like, then I wouldn't be able to record. To say something interesting right now because <laughs> Ron always tacks this crap onto the end where we're like sitting around going, uh, so, you know. So what do you guys think about Donald Trump? Dead silence. <laughs> I remember you, you had a, a tweet a while back that you were saying you kind of hoped that he would get it so you could watch the train wreck that would happen. You know what? Yeah, I'm, st- I'm still I'm still hoping. I'm still hoping for that. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton. And the reason, the only reason I'm voting for Hillary Clinton is that I want to see Bill Clinton as the first lady. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I want to see man. that. So that that is why I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. Bill and Hillary together again. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a train wreck no matter how you look at it. I'm afraid, it, uh, you know, I at least for me, as long as I voted, it seems like the cha- that you know choices have gotten you know more and more kind of. I'm going to use the word just unsatisfying. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, not that I don't. Like- so, did you vote for Bernie, David? You you seem like a Bernie person. I I will vote for Bernie. We haven't voted yet. Oh, you, you haven't know, voted it, yet? Oh. So our our election is uh, June six, so we oh, have okay. another a few another couple of weeks. I see. But yeah, Annie, Annie and I both are Bernie supporters, but we've pretty much, you know, it's you know, it's a little frustrating that California is at the end because it really makes no difference at that point. Um, it's already pretty much a done deal, right? Yeah. So you're just yeah. kind of you know voting your conscience. Well, I guess that makes it a little bit easier, right? I mean, if if your vote truly did matter. Would you would you vote differently? No, no. Yeah, I'm in California. I just write in Howard Stern and Spider. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what the hell? Yeah, I think I I missed the when I moved to Washington. 
your voter registration is tied to getting a driver's license. And so because I didn't get a driver's license, a Washington driver's license, I missed the ability to register to vote. So I need to go, I need to find out whether if you didn't register in the primary, you can still vote in the general election. Oh yeah, you, you can still register, I'm sure. Yeah, I need to, I need to figure that out. Yeah, each state seems to have this a different deadline but yeah, it's like usually a few months before the election that you can okay. have to register. Yeah, I'll need to look at that. Yeah, Ron, your your vote could make a difference. Well, it doesn't. I mean, the problem is that, <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't because you, you get into, because of the way the whole electoral college oh, works yeah, electoral and all that stuff, thing, yeah. that when you get into states like, you know, Washington and Oregon and California, you know, to that matter, they're, they're just so heavily weighted towards the Democrats that it doesn't really matter whether I vote, right? Because I'm just I'm just not going to sway anything one way or another um, because of the way that the, the, the that system works. I mean, I understand why that system works that way. I think there are reasons why you don't just do a pure popular vote, but it does seem like it's kind of it's kind of skewed in a lot of weird ways. And then we have super delegates. I don't even want to start. Well, the prime the primaries is like a whole other kind of weird clusterfuck of making absolutely no <laughs> sense whatsoever. I think yeah. the primaries are totally screwed up. I understand in the general election why they why they do the electoral college stuff. I do not understand why the primaries work like they do. Yeah, like I said, I want my super delegate to be Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think your super delegate should have to be a superhero. I think yeah. they should have to have some superpower in order to be a super delegate. Or just dress up like one and say they are, believe they are. <laughs> With a big D on their chest. Super delegate. <laughs> I think I think this would be a great, you know, great series for, for you, Gary. Oh yeah. yeah. Do, do uh, a new comic yeah, book, with, Super with Delegate. Super delegates. Thimbleweed Park crashes and burns. I'm gonna be drawing super delegate comic books. There you go. So was that is that if Thimbleweed Park crashes and burns, or when Thimbleweed Park crashes no, no. and burns? It's not, it, um, no, I miss I misspoke. That. I, didn't, you know, <laughs> I, said, I said when Thimbleweed Park is phenomenally successful, and we start our own comic book company to put out Thimbleweed Park comic books, they will have a, an issue where they de- where they fight the super delegates. 